Hello there, welcome to the International Business Podcast. I'm your host, Leonardo Marra, but let's make it simple and just call me Leo. In this podcast, I share my experiences and interview international professionals to draw lessons from the real-life stories. Coming up on today's episode. Intelligence is all about gathering all the information that you have and delivering something which is insightful. Now you have a system which can gather information all by itself and is having the capacity uh, to make better decisions. Globally, less than 1% of the illicit transfers are being brought to light and the estimated amount of money laundered per year is US dollar 1 trillion. Shub is an entrepreneur passionate about cutting-edge technology that makes humans live better. He has over a decade of experience in building and selling software for finance and regulatory compliance management. Here we'll dive into deep technologies, including AI and blockchain. You can find more information about Shub in the show notes. Now, let's begin. Hi, Shub. I'm glad to have you on. Welcome to the International Business Podcast. Uh, thank you so much, Leo, and uh, for extending your invitation. And glad I'm part of your podcast today. The first question I have for you, Shub, is this. Why would you consider yourself as an international professional? I started uh, as a technologist, right, in the financial industry. Most of the customers that I have worked with uh, throughout my life, fortunately, unfortunately, has been uh, customers uh, who were who are abroad, right? So I have been, I have started uh, my career uh, with uh, primarily a fintech, right? And then uh, we, I, I, I joined one of the large services companies and I was uh, primarily working in the banking division of uh, Royal Bank of Scotland. So I had the privilege of working uh, in UK. I had the privilege of working with uh, my counterparts in US North America, uh, many of the uh, countries in European region, and of course, uh, very recently uh, with my startup as well, I have been tracking uh, and most of our business that we have been doing in the initial days, right, were uh, primarily in the European region. And very recently, uh, we also became part of one of the very renowned uh, uh, financial accelerators, right, which uh, is having its uh, operations in Switzerland and has very recently expanded to Singapore. So we are working with them. So, 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 so. Pretty international, <laughs> definitely. Correct. Yeah. What is the meaning of deep technologies and why are they important in today's business world, Shub? Well, uh, when you talk about deep technologies, uh, right, we are uh, talking about primarily uh, artificial intelligence and uh, the manifestation of artificial intelligence uh, has, has come into technologies which has got multiple layers, right? So when you talk about multiple layers, we are talking about a little bit technical and uh, so because it's, it's, it's deep technologies and you have to talk deep about it. So Absolutely. Please go on. You have to. <laughs> right. So uh, like we human being, right, we have uh, neurons, right, so which help us to uh, make our decisions. So so, so, so similar way uh, in, in artificial intelligence, the very recent uh, expansion which has happened 
And of course, thanks to uh, the new innovations which are happening in the area of AI, uh, we are entering in world of, of, of neural networks. So neural networks are typically layered uh, set of intelligence units, right? Uh, which uh, absorbs the information and uh, like how we human being based on our perception make decisions. So this technology uh, typically use this whole network to understand the information bifurcate into different uh, portions and then use it to uh, deliver better insights. So uh, it's not merely a, a rule-based engine where you basically define the limits, right? Uh, this engine has got the capability to uh, think cognitively, uh, like how we human beings think, right? So, and that's why we are capable of making innovations ourselves. So this technology is also uh, very much uh, in, in that direction that it can think all by itself, bring out new dimension in information. So that's why it's called deep technologies. And sure, this explanation was great, but I will say that every professional at least, you know, knows the, the general terms of AI and blockchain, but I will bet that most of them will struggle to provide a clear and simple definition. So if you were to define even more simply AI and blockchain, how would you define both of them in a very, very basic way? Simply put, right, when you talk about AI, we're talking about artificial intelligence. Right. And when you talk about what we what is what do you mean by intelligence? Intelligence is all about gathering all the information that you have and delivering something which is insightful. Now you have a system which can gather information all by itself and is having the capacity uh, to make better decisions. So if you talk about a system just getting in information and churning out information, that's not intelligence. That's a set of processes which you have built. But when you are in the capacity of uh, understanding the information, uh, making uh, various internal insights extracted from this information, and that's not done with any human help, that's where the artificial intelligence comes into picture. The father of AI, I think, whom I consider as the father of AI is, is, is Alan Turing, right? So he has laid the foundation of, of, of AI way before we primarily uh, were born, in fact, right? And, uh, uh, and today, if you have been following Andrew Ang, uh, you would realize that he's a modern father of AI. So both of them uh, talk the same thing, that when a system is capable of uh, taking all your mundane tasks, and is able to essentially deliver novel business decisions. That's what we are talking about, artificial intelligence. Coming to blockchain, well, uh, uh, when you talk about blockchain, what we are primarily talking about is, uh, again, everything lies in this, again, the name itself. It's blocks which are put chained together, right? But what we are putting in here is primarily blocks of information which cannot be tempered they are purely immutable. So every time information is created, it is put into a block. And of course, there are different hashing algorithms which are used to periodically create these blocks and the like. But one thing what we're trying to do here, essentially here is that we are talking about blocks of information which cannot be changed and which keeps on getting added, 
they can only be accessed. I mean, if you're talking about uh, a permission blockchain, which are used today at enterprise level, they can only be accessed by users who typically are, are, are given the permission. So essentially, if you want to store your information using the best of, uh, of methodologies to ensure that no one can uh, basically tamper with it, then uh, the, the, the option that you have today is blockchain. And interestingly, it's, it's, it's primarily stored with a few set of mathematical calculations. And due to your expertise, how do we, how do uh, deep technologies merge and combine with compliance management? And I've seen from your profile, you're always talking about sustainable compliance management. What is this? If I talk about uh, a bit on the statistics part of it, right? So I will take about uh, three key instances. Compliance softwares are already available, right? There have been, there are already many companies who are uh, in the business of compliance or in the business of regulatory technologies uh, solving uh, compliance problems. But let me give you three key statistics, which will clearly say that, unfortunately, we do have compliance softwares, but none of them are sustainable. So uh, globally, less than 1% of the illicit transfers are being brought to light. And the estimated amount of money laundered per year is US dollar 1 trillion. So we have roughly 15 plus uh, regulatory bodies whose one global motive is to ensure and curb money laundering. But unfortunately, US dollar 1 trillion is laundered per year, which is a huge amount of money. Uh, number two, uh, regulatory fines that were imposed uh, for compliance lapses uh, stood at uh, US dollar uh, 450 billion uh, right from 2008, right? Now, uh, uh, if you are uh, overwhelmed here, I would uh, primarily talk about the, the last part, which is uh, year-on-year banks typically spend, uh, ha- I mean, the cost of compliance increases by uh, roughly 30 to 45%, right? And there are banks who put four uh, to five percent of their revenues uh, uh, just in, to, to run uh, compliance engines or compliance teams. So with all of this, right? Uh, unfortunately, we are still uh, not able to achieve what we call sustainability in the compliance programs. So there, there are many compliance programs, but uh, none of the compliance programs are able to achieve sustainability. So what we mean, what is our definition of sustainability? It's, it's, it's very simple. So sustainability for us means three key things. You're increasing your compliance confidence score, right? As in like, if you're a bank, financial institution or FinTech, our goal is to ensure that we increase your compliance confidence score. Number two, your efficient use of your regulatory capital. So that's the, that's the second most important thing that we help you with. And finally, uh, what we do is that we reduce your cost of compliance. And that's where our, our platform DeepBuy comes into picture. And uh, what we try to do is here is that we try to achieve these three things year on year for you. And from your experience, Shub, could you share with us what compliance for non-financial industry companies look like and what are their challenges? Compliance for non-financial industry is not different, right? So they have uh, AML compliance also with them. Of course, uh, they have several other compliances which they have to follow apart from uh, the AML compliance. They have material compliance, they have environmental compliance. 
uh, I think uh, we since we cater to uh, one of the large enterprises in the European region, so we understand that European di directive for uh, packaging and packaging waste, right, uh, compliance is, is as well there. So challenges you see largely remains the same. So if I talk a bit about the challenges uh, in, 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 in compliance, uh, typically there are uh, many systems, multiple different data formats, jurisdiction-wise, uh, there are different regulations. So uh, regulations and standards. So for a compliance officer or a process, a compliance process analyst, it becomes a steep hill job primarily to bring all these things together and then apply the uh, uh, the, the the knowledge of 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 compliance uh, based on the jurisdiction and ensure that the whole system is is compliant with the with the, with, with the different regulations is a very tough job and this still remains the same even in the non financial industry I like your simple definitions of highly complex concepts. How do you define compliance? I'd love to hear this from you, Shub. I think uh, somebody wise uh, told me this, right? So compliance, uh, when uh, you see that something has failed uh, uh, retrospectively, what you do is that you build a rule around it, right? Say that, okay, you are allowed to spend X amount of money only from your credit card because uh, your credit rate rating are uh, this much, right? Or probably uh, since your credit rating is this much, you will be given this much amount of loan. So what we're essentially trying to do here is that we are building a set of rules, right? To ensure that uh, uh, we as an ecosystem uh, of different uh, industry and verticals, we work in tandem uh, with uh, 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 with something that is uh, better for uh, not only the industries but also for the consumer customers and the people involved. So what happens here is that there is a regulatory body who uh, thinks from from the perspective of the region, from the perspective of the of, of the people or the customers, and they come up with a set of regulations to ensure that. Uh, the processes or the steps that are happening and happening uh, within a, a designed limits, right? So, 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 so that's what is called uh, uh, regulations. Now, when you have to abide, when when a government or a, a, a regulatory body says that you have to abide by things, which means that you have to comply by by it, and where is is uh, and that is where the, where the whole concept of compliance comes into picture. Your company provides services to the to Europe, to India, and Asia Pacific. So, what are the common traits on compliance processes across these markets? But also, what would you say are the main differences between them? Uh, so, I think uh, what I see, right? Uh, I will start with uh, probably my experience in the European region. So, what I see uh, from the different uh, regulations in the European region, I see that. Uh, European regulations are marching way ahead. Uh, I, I mean, even when it comes to uh, data protection, data privacy, and allied. So we have seen that European regulations are are pretty uh, have have become pretty standard, and is actually uh, laying is currently the flag bearer of uh, regulations and 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 and, and compliance across 
uh, the different geographies. Uh, what I see is that when it comes to penalties, I, I see the North America region uh, basically putting in more penalties uh, primarily to ensure that uh, none of the compliances are broken. Uh, uh, from the APAC region, I do see that countries are now striving a lot hard, right, when it comes to uh, managing and maintaining compliance. Uh, but I do see a, a, a complete positive environment. Uh, I, I, I mean, uh, I, I was in my early days of my career in, 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 in financial technologies, right, when uh, the 2009 meltdown happened. I, I, I have seen the meltdown very closely right uh, because i was and I, I was also very scared right <laughs> what what has happened so I, I i have seen that period and from that period i have seen the regulatory bodies taking cognizance of 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 the things that have gone wrong and have built in different guideline steps at be it dot frank emir and, and and currently aml 445d and, and and multiple other directives that have come into picture right so what I typically understand here is that different geographies are striving uh, hard towards ensuring that, that, that there are compliances in place, which uh, from a typically from a financial industry, I would see that uh, nothing wrong happens, which happened in like 2009. So geography wise, uh, uh, I mean, different geographies are at different levels. Uh, but what, what I do see is that uh, most of the uh, uh, countries are trying hard to ensure that the level of consumer confidence, uh, level of confidence of the of, of the people when it comes to regulations are, are, I mean, are getting higher and higher. I've got one final question I ask everyone who comes on the show. I would like you to tell us about one memorable moment from your international career. You can pick between a successful, a funny or even a catastrophic moment. Thankfully, uh, nothing catastrophic happened yet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, well, I, I, I would say that uh, when I started my initial career, right, so I, I was uh, somebody who was into pure technology with uh, a very little understanding of the financial domain. It was during my early days at uh, RBS, right, when I got my first exposure to the banking industry. Now, I had, uh, I mean, the situation as such that somebody who doesn't know much about banking because it was way back, right? I'm talking about somewhere in 2008-9, right? Where uh, I, I was just a pure technologist, right? I, I, I knew technology in and out, but I was not having the business understanding. I was inside the bank. I was uh, primarily talking to the business analyst, the people who are uh, primarily uh, ensuring that the processes are properly taken care of. So it was very hard for me as a technologist to convert uh, my, my, my communication and allied things in terms of business, right? So that's where uh, I think uh, I, I, I have learned a lot. I have changed a lot. And I would say that that was one of one period in my life where I, I have been, uh, it, it was hard. It was a challenge, but I took it up to ensure that I convert my uh, my way of communication, which is very much in line with what the industry wants. And I would like to wrap this up by asking you who should connect with you after listening to this episode. And furthermore, tell us a bit more about your role, your company. 
Right. Uh, so uh, my role at at my company is uh, primarily to help uh, uh, my company uh, uh, to to grow as fast as possible to ensure my uh, I, I, I think I would, I would cut into again three things. Right. First of all, ensure that all my employees are happy and uh, happy with uh, what they are working on. My investors uh, should be get, getting rich and rich every passing passing day or passing month <laughs> and uh, most important my customers right my customers should start seeing value in why uh, when they have subscribed to this uh, to any of our uh, products right so my goal is to ensure that these three personas right who are part of this organization right they are uh, typically uh, getting the value getting the motivation and getting uh, uh, the the outcome or the roi for which they have joined this whole journey right so that's what my goal is to ensure to accelerate and 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 and, and catalyze this whole process uh, which we call the company and who should connect with you after listening to this episode So uh, I think uh, I, I think three kind of people can again three magic number. <laughs> Sorry, I, I I love taking <laughs> magic number for me. Yeah. So first of all, I mean people who would like to uh, dive into entrepreneurship and not only any entrepreneurship, but if you are driving into uh, into in, into the financial industry or probably very specific fintech or regtech, right? and uh, I, i mean if you're looking for how somebody can start uh, building it step by step right from scratch i would be happy to support and help you uh, although we uh, although we have miles ahead to travel but yeah the uh, we, we have traveled a lot we understood uh, our journey well from the right from the scratch ground so we can help you in that so that's number one Uh, number two is uh, definitely uh, uh, the the compliance professionals, right? Who are seeking uh, exciting tools, tools that can augment them, uh, strengthen them, uh, make them the next rockstar compliance officers, right? So, so, so second uh, are, 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 are the compliance officers, and uh, I think I think the finally right. Uh, I I would I would love love to talk to people right who would like to uh, join this journey right uh, with us and uh, and uh, in, in the area of rectech who are probably belong to the same uh, stream or would like to closely see how. Uh, probably from a scratch an organization is built right and 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 contribute towards it so these three uh, personas would probably be more suitable at this point of time uh, who might like to reach talk and probably uh, also also share the journey sure but i want to thank you for your insights thank you for joining us on the international business podcast thank you so much leo i mean uh, pleasure for the time spent Subscribe today to listen to more international business stories, guests coming on the show every Monday. Do not forget to connect with me on LinkedIn. You can find the link in the show notes. I'll speak with you again on the next episode.